back to the Demast podcast. Uh, my name is Kelly Fox, and today I'm here with my friend Andy Burns, and we're going to talk a little bit about white fragility and racism and the relationship to masculinity. It's something that I started talking about a little bit last time, but it was just an introduction. So uh, today I'm talking to Andy and uh yeah, seeing what it's like to be a white man and deal with white masculinity. Uh, so, Andy, tell me about yourself. Yeah. So, I'm Andy. I am the pastor of Church of the Savior. It is a United Methodist Church outside of Westerville and New Albany, two suburbs of Columbus. I'm also starting a network of micro churches led by trained and empowered lay people. I am a white, heterosexual, cisgender male. And uh, married to a white, heterosexual, cisgender female. Um, I just graduated seminary, the same seminary that Kelly is going to, that you are going yeah. to. And um, yeah, that's kind of who I am. Cool. You're basically what I said needs the most freedom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're, you're I also, audience. I also have three sisters. I'm a, I have a twin sister and my two younger sisters are twins. So I've grown up around women. I have no brothers. Just a, just a little bit more background on me as far as this podcast goes yeah i on the other hand am an only child so i have no brothers i have no real experience with masculinity hence i have this podcast because then it gives me a chance to talk to men about their experience with masculinity let's just get into it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh growing up how do you think you were taught masculinity since you have like a lot of sisters Mm -hmm. uh I guess, how were you taught differently than your sisters being a man and your sisters being women? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I as, as with most men with fathers in the household, my first experience of masculinity was through my, uh, was through my father. It was a pretty, you could call it a typical traditional household. My dad, my dad's also a pastor. He uh, he worked full time. My mom was a stay was a stay at home mom with four kids. It kind of had to be that way. Um, so our house was structured how kind of the stereotypical way that you think of houses being structured a very traditional family structure. So that was the first way that I was introduced to masculinity. My father is not a um, is not a. Uh, a lot of the stereotypes of masculinity, it does, my dad isn't really like that, but, um, so I guess my, uh, first experience of masculinity was through my father, but I, growing up, I was never in, I was not in very many, um, typically masculine spaces. Mm-hmm. I never played sports except for a couple years in intramural YMCA basketball leagues, and I was always the worst person on the team and usually on the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. So I was never in, uh, I was, I never played sports. I've never been into sports. I don't mm-hmm. really get it. Mm-hmm. How, why? Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't really get it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I've just never, I've just never been in those spaces, but now I am a pastor, which is a very masculine space just mm-hmm. being in that role. I guess, especially as a pastor, you probably have some experience with like other people who have a more masculine upbringing than you have what Mm -hmm. is that like Mm -hmm. with uh not exactly having to uh stick to those roles Mm -hmm. in your own upbringing how what is it like to see that in other people Mm -hmm. and then also being their like leader i guess faking like I know what sports are <laughs> looking up the last OSU score whatever what, it, right now specifically where I am now looking up the last OSU score I probably haven't watched the game but just just so I know how mad people are going to be at, at church the next day um, just faking it because mm-hmm. I really don't care even as a female pastor, I feel like I have to do that a little bit. And it's interesting to see how um, the people at my church expect my husband to know uh, more about the game than mm-hmm. I would, even mm-hmm. though neither of us are into sports, really. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um, 
that like that connection between masculinity mm-hmm. and sports and mm-hmm. uh, this expectation that men know sports mm-hmm. and why don't women know sports? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also a lot of the other areas of that you think of with masculinity working on working with your hands, cars, um, all those different areas. I'm not really into anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just faking it. Uh, yeah. There's a men's breakfast at my church now that I, I don't lead. I just go to and exist. It's kind of a pastoral care type mm-hmm. uh, type situation. And a lot, of, it's, a, it's, it's a weird masculine space that I'm not used to being in. So a lot of it is just nodding, smiling, and acting like I know what they're talking mm-hmm. about when they're saying how they repaired their car or what mm-hmm. kind of work they did that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it for me is faking it. Mm-hmm. If it's not an area that, if it's not an area of masculinity that I have been raised in or have been exposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you've kind of already touched on it, but like, how would you define the like stereotypical masculinity, mm-hmm. um, both in the culture and then I guess like how you personally live out your mm-hmm. own masculinity mm-hmm. and like the expectations that you feel like you have to live into mm-hmm. sports being included in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how I, how I've... I guess implicitly come to define masculinity that I'm just teasing out is first different from femininity. There is, um, it's, it's just two almost polar opposites that I'm teasing that out and I'm moving away from that, but that's the definition I've heard that I've, um, that's kind of what I've learned implicitly through seeing how men and women operate in the world as I grew up is this kind of understanding that masculinity and femininity are two different things and that the quote unquote natural order is for them to not be missed, not be mixed together. Um, so that's how I was taught. I want to emphasize that's how I was taught, not what I agree with right now. Um, uh, so how do I define masculinity? Different from different from those from femininity and having a lot to do with power, control, physical strength, mental strength, emotional strength shown in being angry, uh, being annoyed, and being happy, mm-hmm. but not too happy. Yeah, and that's the kind of control and the realm that we're able to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the overall power and control and strength, those being the three uh, primary markers that you can see. Male sports, football and basketball, there you see strength, you see power, um, uh, all the other areas of masculinity with cars, with working with your hands, um, all these things. Not that they're bad, it's just that's how I, that's how they fit under masculinity for me as they fall under that power, that mm-hmm. control, that being in charge mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, especially the being in charge that we have to lead that we have to um that we have to be in charge of everything yeah i've definitely uh in my experiences of like watching masculinity and uh seeing how people who are hyper masculine i guess uh live out their lives um i see a lot of those same things and um especially with the the power and the physicality and um, needing to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally just think that, like, that's really, I don't know, like, limiting and really restricting. Even though it sounds like it's freedom, it's actually, like, I don't know, like a, a prison in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've just been kind of, in the last year... Uh, So I started this podcast back in, I started thinking about it back in February. I Mm -hmm. recorded it back in April. Um, And so I've been kind of thinking around this, uh, what I think is a controversial view of needing to free the white man. Um, And just thinking about how that in Mm -hmm. itself is like really limiting and really Mm -hmm. oppressive. (laughs) Which Mm -hmm. is weird to say. Mm -hmm. It's weird to, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm defending Mm -hmm. white men, Mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to Mm -hmm. say that. I feel like I need to defend them. Yeah, because we don't need... We obviously don't need to be defended because we have to be in charge. We are the defenders of our family um, from whoever is... from whoever's trying to attack us. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be defended. But, I mean, the truth is that we do. So that's why... But that's why it sounds controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my, I know in, in the area of pastoral ministry, that's part of the reason that so many male pastors specifically get burnt out is because we have mm-hmm. to be in charge. 
um, in any situation. Mm-hmm. We're almost not allowed to have a spiritual life. If we living up to the masculine ideal, mm-hmm. um, we're not allowed to have a spiritual life. One, because that's emotional and that's and all of these things that we aren't allowed to have. Mm-hmm. But also because we got to be in charge. So Sunday mornings, we're not worshiping. We're preaching or we're mm-hmm. worrying about what how the scripture reader is going to mispronounce mm-hmm. a word mm-hmm. or worrying about whatever's on the screens that should not be there, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I, I agree that yeah. there is a need to free the white man. So I guess uh, getting into that, uh, the I had you watch and listen to a couple of things before mm-hmm. meeting with me. Um, one of them, mm-hmm. one of the things I had you watch was Meeting the Enemy. So I had you watch this documentary called uh, White Right, Meeting the Enemy, where uh, I think her name's Dina. Mm-hmm. And Dina is a Muslim woman from the UK, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she comes to America to talk to white nationalist and, um, yeah, white nationalist leaders uh, in various class levels, mm-hmm. um, both like really upper class and a working class um, group of people. And it comes to talk to them about what makes them so firm on their convictions to uh, be racist. And I really commend her for like going into that space in the first place. And uh, it's a good thing that she was welcomed and not like hurt, <laughs> especially with some of the things that uh, some of the people say in the, the documentary itself. Uh, but anyway, when I was watching this uh, for the first like five times, because I've seen this so many times now, um, I kind of saw a connection between this like firm conviction to being racist and like having to be in charge and having to uh, have a place for white people and um, this idea that I'm just now formulating around uh, masculinity. Specifically, there was uh, a part where she was interviewing with people from like the white socialist group, I think it was, and she was talking about like how they have a need for a white ethno state because he specifically went into Detroit with like a poorer neighborhood yeah. and was uh, recruiting for his group and he was talking about um, how it was the best places to look for people because they feel like they're they're being taken over. Mm-hmm. And I kind of seen that connection in uh, masculinity because I think a lot of times, especially with like the 2016 election and um, with a lot of backlash against feminist groups. Um, I think a lot of the times when men see women rising, they think of themselves as losing something. Mm -hmm. And so as a white man who isn't racist, what do you think of this? Like, are you Mm. seeing the same kind of things that I'm seeing? Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I'm seeing it. Oh, and we're playing this zero sum game that, that, Everybody, male and female, in Western culture, we it, we're built around a zero sum game. But here specifically, it's a zero sum game where if if the women are gaining more power, then we are losing power because there is this specific amount of power mm-hmm. that exists, and if if someone else is gaining it, then someone else is losing it. Mm-hmm. So if women are gaining power in voice, that means in in. That means that obviously men are losing power and losing voice. The same with uh, the same with people of color and mm-hmm. white people. Now, I, you and I don't believe that that's true. Yeah. But I that's that's the connect that's the connection I see here. It's it's we're playing this zero sum game that's killing us. Mm-hmm. Especially in this documentary, where at the beginning, like Dina is interviewing. I think he's in charge of PR for the white socialist group. Mm-hmm. And she's interviewing him, and you can tell that he's trying really hard. Like, he wants to be accepting, and he wants to be a good person, and he doesn't want to, like, be an awful person towards her. Uh, But she asks him in the beginning, she's like, "Um, if you're promoting this white ethno state, does that mean that you deport me? And he says, unfortunately, like, yeah, I'm going to have to, because that's what's going to uh, keep... um, my race in charge Mm -hmm. and uh then at the end he like kind of i think it's like months later he has like a skype conversation with her it says like i had to leave my position because i cannot like i'm still for white 
power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds really mm-hmm. weird to say, but anyway, uh, I'm still for white power, but mm-hmm. I cannot say that I would deport you at this yeah. point anymore. And so, um, thinking of that, like, I kind of think, I mean, that's the way that I see masculinity, the way that, um, I see that he was so caught up in being in the white socialist group that he couldn't, like, even though he wanted to, he mm-hmm. couldn't be accepting of her fully mm-hmm. and couldn't really, you know, be friends with her or, mm-hmm. like, have that kind of relationship, I guess. Um, but once he kind of freed himself from that, then mm-hmm. he was able to kind of let go of that really strict, really confining mm-hmm. um, ideology. I guess, like, as someone who's lived the life of a white man, um, in what ways do you understand this strict adherence to, mm-hmm. like, these rules and uh, mm-hmm. these group understandings? And in what ways do you not understand them? Mm-hmm. I see it stemming from this absolute isolation from people who are different. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not reducing it to let's all be friends and that'll make that and that's and that's going to make everything good. I I wish I that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I I it was so powerfully shown like like you said that um oh the PR director trying really hard to get around like I'm trying not to be an awful person but I don't like people who are not white. Mm-hmm. And then and being in a relationship with Dina leading him to leave his position and mm-hmm. somehow say that he wants a white ethno state but he doesn't want to deport her. Um and just seeing the change that uh that wrought just in the limited interaction that he had with a woman of color mm-hmm. that he probably hadn't had for years outside of protests and mm-hmm. outside of of the work that they do with the National Socialist Movement. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like even in those interactions that he had had probably with women of color, it was very easy to um, define -hmm. those moments as, like, stereotyped Mm -hmm. or to even uh, think of if it was a good situation Mm -hmm. as, like, a token Mm -hmm. um, person of color. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's how their their conversations all started off with. She was the token woman of color who was Mm -hmm. allowed behind the lines. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure she had white men with her helping film, so that's Mm -hmm. that probably helped. Um, But I think it also has to do with vulnerability, that Mm -hmm. you let a a woman of color inside this this box of white masculinity and just that act of letting her in keeping to this strict adherence within yourself, but just letting someone come into close proximity, just physical proximity with you, mm-hmm. how that starts breaking down these walls because vulnerability is also not an element of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Men are not vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, men are strong and impermeable. Mm-hmm. So this strict adherence, um, it stems from in my limited understanding, I'm not an expert in this, but it, um, this strict adherence stems from remaining in your echo chamber of the people who are the same as you and look the same as you and believe the same as you do and not letting anyone else in. Because that simple act of letting someone else in, that's that's the meaning of vulnerability. And that's when change starts to happen. So if you really want to stick with your rules, just stay with the people, just never let anyone else in mm-hmm. um, who's who's different from you. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me yeah. a lot of, um, I keep going back to Macbeth. I will never not talk about Macbeth, but it reminds me of Macbeth because uh, one of the things that I didn't really talk about, but again, people need to watch this movie because it's really good and Michael Fassbender. Um, but one of the big things that it taught me about um, masculinity is that is that, like, an inability to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because one of the biggest things that happens in that movie is that when Macbeth is feeling guilty or Macbeth is feeling sad, instead of, like, going to his wife or, like, talking to his friends, mm-hmm. he goes to himself and, like, has this soliloquy, mm-hmm. um, which is a common thing in Shakespeare. But, like, mm-hmm. it um, stuck out to me that it's in the moments of... Um, fear and guilt and those kinds of feelings Mm -hmm. that men are stereotypically not allowed to have, Mm -hmm. um, that he goes to himself Mm -hmm. and hides those feelings and compacts everything into those moments 
so that um, there's nothing really left to be except for really toxic outside. Mm-hmm. So he kind of compacts everything feminine and everything that's not masculine into a little box mm-hmm. um, and puts it away and doesn't let anyone touch it. Mm-hmm. And so then he ends up being really toxically mm-hmm. masculine. So it's kind of the same way where I feel like these people who are a part of the white socialist movement pack away the possibility of um, being in a relationship with people of color because that's not a part of what mm-hmm. they say. That's mm-hmm. not um, a part of the rules of the, mm-hmm. the socialist movement. And so they pack it away and they don't let anyone touch it mm-hmm. and they stay in their stereotyped mm-hmm. idea of um, what is right. Mm-hmm. And then when Dina mm-hmm. in this uh, documentary comes in and says like, or, and starts asking questions, mm-hmm. they have to kind of like open that box that they've closed away and not mm-hmm. let anyone touch. Yeah. And then that leads to mm-hmm. uh, the beginnings of a relationship. And if you do, uh, if anybody who's listening to this does go out and watch the um, the white right meeting the enemy documentary, at the end there are there's hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we've already talked about the the one guy who um, says in the end that he doesn't believe that he could deport people um, and how to leave his position. Mm-hmm. But there's also some other people who were very much so a part of mm-hmm. these like racist movements um, who are now on the other side and are now able to be mm-hmm. freer, more whole people mm-hmm. now that they're not a part of those groups. Yeah. And I just thought it was really interesting that there's mm-hmm. that freedom in not being racist in the same way that I believe that there's freedom in not having to strictly be mm-hmm. masculine. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going to say it, there's nothing wrong with being masculine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is when you're only allowed to be masculine and you're only um, in those masculine mm-hmm. roles rather than being allowed to be, mm-hmm. like, a full person. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, what back to Macbeth, it's almost like Macbeth was mansplaining to himself. Yes. That's what he was, he's mansplaining to himself. He's not allowing that, it just, he's not allowing the feminine, t- uh, oh, typically feminine sides of himself to come out so he's mansplaining to himself to hide that down just like when when I mansplain to someone else mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm want to keep myself in the center and mm-hmm. in control and my ideas out there mm-hmm. and then because of that not allow um, other non-masculine other non things come out um, it's kind of like in mm-hmm. the act of controlling your own masculinity, mm-hmm. you're also controlling other people's. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you're trying to make other people mm-hmm. more masculine, more mm-hmm. into that role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or I wonder if it's the other way around. Um, I don't know. Controlling other people leads to controlling your... Hmm. Or is it both? Or As you control both? yourself, you're controlling other people. Both? Yeah. Um, specifically in like the outward, like mansplaining, mm-hmm. uh, because you're trying to control yourself, you're also controlling other people, mm-hmm. and then also as you control other people, you're controlling yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a system. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I want to uh, go on to the other thing that we listened to before we came here. Um, so there's a podcast that, honestly, I would like to be a lot like this podcast, except, uh, less formal, I guess. Um, but there's a podcast called Scene on Radio. It's S-C-E-N-E on radio. Um, and it's a very good podcast, and it has two series. One is called Seeing White, and there's another one called Men. And both of them are very good, and both of them, like, I highly recommend anyone go and check those out. But today, uh, we listened to an episode called Danger uh, from the Seeing White series, where the host goes, or talks about his experience being held up at knife point um, in a rougher neighborhood in West Philadelphia. And so, um, he starts this podcast about, or by talking about how whiteness has infiltrated all of society, and he... He puts in a clip of Trump talking, and he puts in a, a clip of some uh, sports stuff. I think it's just, like, sports uh, commentary. Yeah. And when I hear these, he says whiteness, but I think masculinity. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like you can replace whiteness in this situation with uh, masculinity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, he kind of goes on and tells a story about how he got held up at knife point. And uh, even though he was the one being held up and he was technically the victim, mm-hmm. uh, he still had this control. Mm-hmm. He was still in control of the situation because he was white, because he was uh, seen as uh, the better of the two, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, even when he, like, gets taken home by a black cop, mm-hmm. like, the black cop says something like, what are you doing in this neighborhood? Like, mm-hmm. you should know better. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's bad for a white person who has a higher standing to be in mm-hmm. a black neighborhood. Mm-hmm who even the black cop says has, like, kind of this lower standing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway... Um, he says something about it being yeah. a lost generation or something like yeah. that. Like, and, he, yeah, and the guy says he's unsure if he's talking about him or mm-hmm. the kids. Or the kid who, who, who held him up. Him in. Yeah. yeah. Again, like, the beginning of the episode, I thought that you could replace the whiteness being the reason that he has control um, with his... <sighs> masculinity being the reason that he has control the fact that he is a man Mm -hmm. um because when i thought about it if a white woman was held up at knife point in um a black neighborhood Mm -hmm. i mean i guess she would still be seen as like i guess the ultimate victim Mm -hmm. uh that's a that's a whole different thing she would be seen as like higher and like the ultimate victim i think but um it's the madness that makes him in Mm -hmm. control of that situation Mm -hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that if she, if if he was a woman in that situation, then he probably would would have been more likely to been victimized more so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, because even in that situation, he held control of it. Yeah, control yeah. and power. Even though he didn't have, even though he didn't have the knife, he wasn't. He yeah stuck with his. It, it, he didn't... He retained control. He, he didn't let go of the box. Exactly. Didn't let go of the box. Didn't let go of the bike. Didn't let go of the stupid bike. <laughs> um, and made it to that... What was it? A nursing home? Or the yeah. water, wherever it was that he was able to get to so this kid couldn't stab him. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, that got him out alive. So that was... That was okay. I mean, like, he still got held up at knife point and, like, that mm-hmm. sucks. And I'm not saying anything about that. And he... Yeah. Like, if you listen to the podcast, he's not, like playing the victim in the podcast. So yeah. I feel like it's yeah. okay for me to say this. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I just thought that that was just another, like, continuation of, like, white masculinity. Mm-hmm. Because I think it would also be different if he was, like, a black man. I don't mm-hmm. think that the situation wouldn't have even happened if he was a black man because mm-hmm. he's in a black neighborhood and, like, mm-hmm. there's a whole thing with that mm-hmm. that I'll get to later. And then at the end of the episode, Chenjirai, which is, like, the uh, co-host of that podcast, or, or that series of podcast. Chandrai comes in and he is a black man and he Mm -hmm. says, my thing is when we as a society create situations where a huge group of folks exist in a daily state of insecurity and unsafety, nobody can really expect to be safe. And for me, uh, when I think of that huge group of folks, um, I think that those are white men and like not in like a an outright state of insecurity mm-hmm. or unsafety, mm-hmm. but rather um, a personal mm-hmm. state of insecurity, unsafety, mm-hmm. uh, like having to um, put up this facade to mm-hmm. protect yourself, kind of like a yeah. like an armor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating how that. I mean, that's the on a very very surface level. That's the narrative that. We saw in the um, oh that we saw in meeting the enemy in the uh, in the um, oh the group's trying to create a white ethno state is yeah. that we are the ones under attack mm-hmm. we are the ones who are um, in a state of insecurity and unsafety so it's it's I know obviously you're saying something different but at a, at a, it's interesting that um, mm, mm, the way that is the way that we know that there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And we project it out of ourselves, saying that it's someone else doing this to yeah. us. As white men, there's someone else doing this to us because we are in charge. Mm-hmm. We have to be in charge of ourselves, of other people. So therefore, it's someone else attacking us. Mm-hmm. Instead of ourselves eating ourselves out from the inside mm-hmm. out. Um, I think like a lot of the times, uh, we're not willing to look at the systems that make mm-hmm. people act the way they do. Mm-hmm. Like instead of it being a whole group of people attacking, mm-hmm. um, why are we looking at, mm-hmm. why is this an expectation, I guess? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because we don't want to answer that question because mm-hmm. that that leads us to a whole. Um, you know, why is it? Why is this an expectation that that we don't want to talk about introspection because mm-hmm. that's that's vulnerability. We don't mm-hmm. want to get into vulnerability, but. You know, why is this an expectation? Well, then, why was I raised like that? Well, then, why did my father or whoever was the male role model in my life, why were they like this? And then, what was the model that led to that? And that that just balloons out into this whole... It just balloons out in this whole big question that we don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um we don't want to de- we don't want to deconstruct these things until we're forced to until we can't avoid deconstructing because it's slow because it slowly falls down around mm-hmm. us if i think of it as like i guess in medical terms mm-hmm. to be off topic mm-hmm. uh, my cat just had his teeth removed because they were infected yeah and um, the mouth of a cat <laughs> can lead to a lot of other health issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I'm unwilling to open the cat's mouth and look inside and see that he has infected teeth, mm-hmm. um, I may not understand why maybe he is not eating or why mm-hmm. he's not acting normally or why mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be around me. Yeah. Uh, so in the same way, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like with masculinity and especially white masculinity mm-hmm. um, as even though we live in a patriarchal society, it's a white patriarchal society mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. not men of color who are in yeah. charge, regardless of the fact that we had a black president. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, if we're unwilling to look, if we're unwilling to uh, look deeper at the infection and rather rather than just the symptoms that are on the outside, like um, the feeling that someone mm-hmm. is coming in and someone is taking over and someone's taking mm-hmm. the place that white men have traditionally had, mm-hmm. you still are left with an infection. Exactly. Even if you get rid of the problem of, mm-hmm. uh, like, people of color, which is really terrible, like, if you got rid mm-hmm. of all people... Okay, mm-hmm. let's say that we had a white nas- <laughs> ethnostate. Mm-hmm. I would not be here. Mm-hmm. Um, there would still be the issue of uh, women wanting to be mm-hmm. in power. Mm-hmm. And then if we had just a place with white men... Which It'd be the worst place. To- <laughs> God, I but, wouldn't live there. <laughs> but if if that was true, if we only had a place that only had white men, you got rid of all the other symptoms, but you still have the infection of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. There would still be some people who would mm-hmm. uh, want to be more in charge than others, and would want to um, mm-hmm. create this system of mm-hmm. oppression. I I am of the belief that like oppression is. Like, if we're talking about the human condition of, mm-hmm. like, sin, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like uh, the the most inevitable sin of humanity mm-hmm. is not, like, doing these, like, small things, but rather is oppression. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, we are, it's inevitable that somebody will oppress someone else, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and we just have to fight to not do that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to... Uh, question the systems that allow us to do that yeah um so anyway yeah if it's we don't the, if we don't get rid of if we get rid of all the symptoms there's still going to be the infection there yeah there's it, still going to be a hurting there yeah and there's a there's a ministerial association that i'm technically a part of that i'm not able to go to many meetings but it because it's pastors there's it's 90 percent male um and it's the weirdest thing to have men mansplain to other men. <laughs> but it still happens. There mm-hmm. the one meeting I was able to go to there were there were there might have been one woman there but she wasn't saying much. Um and it was the weirdest thing to have men mansplain to other men. So you're still going to have there I mean there's no cure for it. In in college I was a music I was a music major. I played trumpet and um I came in there with this really messed up Embouchure, which is how I uh, oh put the trumpet mouthpiece on my lips. How I the very beginning of um, oh creating the sound was it was just messed up with how I was doing that. So there are a lot of symptoms. I I didn't have much endurance. Uh, couldn't really play really very high. And if you're a trumpet player, you always want to play higher and higher and higher. So I couldn't do that. Um, there are all these symptoms, and there are things that we could have done. The, my trumpet teacher and I could have done to address the symptoms. But there would there would have still I I would have only gotten so far 
um, before we had, I only got, couldn't get so far my, my, uh, first semester before my trumpet teacher said, all right, we just got to tear all of this down. Um, the rest of this year, you're probably not going to be able to play anything that you want to play, but it's so that we can restructure, go down to the basics and how we can restructure, um, just the basics of how you play the trumpet. You're mm-hmm. you're putting it on your mouth in the wrong way, so all the muscles has for, have formed in this weird way. So we get just got to strip it down to the basics to have a good to have a healthy foundation, and then good things can happen there. But until we address the root problem, um, you're not going to be able to advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a music de- to get your music degree, you got to be able to advance, and it, nothing's going to work out until we strip it down. Yeah. Now, I didn't want to strip it down because it meant so much work um, just in playing the most boring things, long tones, and just I don't, the most boring things on trumpet. And I, just, I didn't want to do it. But I'm glad that I did it because then my at my senior recital I was playing things that I never uh, never could have imagined doing because I addressed that the underlying issue at the very beginning. But and so that relates here, like what you were just saying with your cat with this problem. If we don't want to address the underlying problem because that's gonna that's gonna be so much harder because getting your cat's teeth pulled that that's gonna cost more than just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my trumpet teacher fixing the underlying problem with me, that was going to take so much longer than just fixing the symptoms that are just going to keep coming back and coming mm-hmm. back. But like, if men, like you were saying, if men are um, left to ourselves, we're still going to have men mansplaining to other men. We're mm-hmm. still going to have white men dominating men of color. We're still mm-hmm. going to have... Um, the bro the basic brokenness that we mm-hmm. don't want to talk about mm-hmm. is still gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, even if you so going back to that like really condensed box of femininity, I guess. Um, even if you don't address it and you leave it there, like that box is still going to be really compressed and really like. I mean, the box in itself is like a an infection. And it hurts to know that it's there, um, and you can ignore it all you want, but it's still gonna be there, and it's still gonna be, like, a hurt that exists, um, and so I just, I don't know, I, I guess, I think it's really important to open it up, Mm -hmm. because until you open it up, Mm -hmm. it's just gonna get worse, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and there's still going to be these Mm -hmm. things that, um, are, even though, like, the person could be well-meaning if you have that box of hurt mm-hmm. um, that you're not, or mm-hmm. that you're leaving over there, um, mm-hmm. you'll continue to kind of let it out in other ways. Mm-hmm. Because that box of hurt, it's not, it's yeah. not going to be left alone. Yeah. Like, it's going to lead to, I mean, being oppressive, or in this case, like, that guy who didn't want to be hateful and he didn't want to hurt Dina especially seeing her in his face it's like hard to do that Mm -hmm. um but because he was sticking to these strict roles was Mm -hmm. sticking to this uh clinging to this need to protect himself he had to be hateful yeah and so um I think that Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just something that needs to be addressed. I feel like this is a good episode to start my yeah. to restart my podcast with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. That's a good image of this um, of this box that you box a whole side of yourself. The we the conception of masculine and feminine being two polar opposites mm-hmm. when they're they're not really. So we have all this work to box up the feminine side of ourselves and it's gonna, like you said, it's gonna come out. Mm-hmm. Um, not that the feminine part of ourselves is bad, but the effort of boxing it up is going to eventually explode if we mm-hmm. don't let it out. So, mm-hmm. um, my wife and I joke about this, uh, whenever I have, um, some really hard, I don't know, thing happen. So last year, um, right now I am on a path to be ordained in the United Methodist Church. Right now I'm a licensed local pastor, but I'm heading toward ordination. One of the first steps toward getting there is to interview with the district committee on ministry. This year I passed that interview. Last year I did not pass that interview. 
Um, and it was one of the first big roadblocks on the on a long path. So I got back from that. I was just angry. I I didn't want. I was just angry. I was ranting. I was raving. Um, just angry at how it went. Angry at myself. Angry at the committee. And then my wife had to leave for class that weekend. She's in a weekend class, uh, getting her master's in occupational therapy about two and two two and a half hours away. So I was left on my own for that weekend, and when she left, I sat down and binged Netflix and shame ate almost an entire box of Oreos, and dipping each one in milk with it with like it wasn't mindless eating. I knew exactly what I so it's that's just on a, like a low level. But with uh, oh with Lauren and I that I will I, I'll just subconsciously push these bad feelings down until for me they erupt in in just uh, in me uncontrollably sobbing for half hour forty five minutes and Lauren doesn't know what to do with me because I'm never like this because I'm I'm angry I'm annoyed or I'm happy that's usually my um, emotional range. Mm-hmm. until this box that I've boxed up for so long, it, it just explodes like that. Now, thankfully, it's just me sobbing. And, it's, and so mm-hmm. I don't believe that it's been with me oppressing anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's been other ways that's played out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's um, I absolutely see that playing out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see that in myself as well. Mm. Um, there's a whole different thing that I plan to get to in a different episode, but... Um, there, I watched a video recently about the, um, the idea of the strong black woman and how, um, there's this picture of the strong black woman that, uh, is always going, is always strong, doesn't have emotions, always, like, mm-hmm. getting things done, works for other people, makes sure that, like, the job is done, uh, Olivia Pope off of Scandal. This is one of the pictures of, uh, strong black women, or there's... Like the main character on how to get away with murder, uh, which I've also not, which I've not seen. But um, anyway, yeah. or like Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. But I yeah. think similar to white masculinity on the other far end of the spectrum, I guess. And if we're just looking at black and white, um, is like black women. Yeah. Um, I guess black femini- femininity, but it's not portrayed as femininity. It's more mm-hmm. the kind of like the more masculine side and those limitations of having to be strong and having to get things done and not focusing on the self but focusing on other people yeah. um so I think in the same way there are those restrictions but I see that yeah even in myself um yeah as even though I as a woman am not expected to be head of household I do do a lot of the I pay all the bills yeah. I make sure that the house is like running, I yeah. guess. Not yeah. that my husband doesn't do anything, but um, yeah. I do a lot of that, and um, <laughs> so I don't um, often have moments of feeling the um, the stress yeah. that I feel a lot. Um, but like recently, my other cat had to be put down, and just the idea of that happening led to me sobbing for like hours Mm. and like for like at least three weeks Mm -hmm. you could not mention my cat without me sobbing Mm -hmm. this idea of like it's not limited to white men but I think that it's uh white men are not given a Mm. lot of the time those outlets to Mm. let it go Mm. you know um Mm -hmm. like for going back to Macbeth uh Macbeth his masculinity was heightened because his wife was telling him to be a man Mm -hmm. and because he couldn't even let that out with his wife um let alone anyone else he Mm -hmm. had to repress it even more so um so yeah i just think that image of boxing up white men boxing up our feminine aspects and not letting ourselves feel that and let and having that bottle up until it comes out not that the not that the feminine aspects of ourselves uh coming out is bad but just the efforts of the very pressure of that um and our efforts it is threatened and it blows up i mean let's stop 
imagining that masculinity and femininity uh, why do we need to talk why do we need to talk about them with those words it's mm-hmm. just part of being human we are yeah. all we are all masculine we are all feminine mm-hmm. we control them in very different in, in various different ways mm-hmm. we um, embody them in various different ways mm-hmm. um, and if we allow ourselves to just embrace all the parts of ourselves and live as an integrated human being um this is an area. It's not something that I've that I've figured out in any way. I I know that I have a masculine side of myself. Um, I was I was really into metal in high in high school. Metal hardcore. Um, middle school, I was a hardcore kid. There was a hardcore scene in a town I went to middle school in. Then in high school, and we moved to a different town. And that wasn't really there. But I so I saw I was in that was the one really masculine space I was in was the hardcore scene because that's. That's one of the most masculine places you can be in. With um, it, there's not even any singing. It's all screaming and drums and this incredible rhythm and fighting and moshing and I, it was amazing. I still love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I have these I have ma- I have strong masculine sides of myself. But there's also the feminine aspects of myself that I'm still coming to terms with. Mm-hmm. That I, I mean, we're all trying to live a more fully integrated life. Yeah. And if we can find ways to just continue exploring and opening that box mm-hmm. little by little so that the pressure doesn't come all out, but so that the suppressed parts of ourselves can come out. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a another thing in Macbeth. Uh, it was very hard for me to condense my capstone because as I delved into it, I found more and more of this like gender issue in Macbeth. And, uh, but anyway, there is at least one good, balanced, gendered, uh, character, which I think I talked about a little bit in my last episode, um, but Macduff is kind of like the, uh, nemesis to Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Macduff kills Macbeth in the end. Mm-hmm. Macduff is like the opposite of Macbeth, and, um, Macbeth is afraid of Macduff killing him. Uh... And so he automatically, like, he hears that Macduff is a threat, and so he's like, okay, go kill Macduff and kill his entire family. Like, just send someone to do it. And um, Macduff just happens to not be home, so they just kill his entire family. And um, when word gets to Macduff, he is grief-stricken and crying, and he's like, he, the line is like, all my little chickens and their damn... Like, he's, like, on the point of tears about his whole family dying, which, rightfully so. Um, but the people around him are like, oh, you gotta avenge it. You have to, like, go back to him. They say, avenge it like a man. And he's like, yes, but first I must feel it like a man. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is, like, really Mm -hmm. powerful. And I think, like, that redefinition of masculinity is something that's needed. Mm -hmm. The ability to feel things like men. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be just being angry or putting Mm -hmm. things away. Mm -hmm. It can be, like, fully addressing, like, it it would be, like, you coming home from that meeting and just be like, I am very upset about Mm -hmm. that not going well. Mm -hmm. I, like... I've put all this work into it and mm-hmm. having a conversation about how you're upset about it not going... Because mm-hmm. it's a human feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's rightfully mm-hmm. valid. It's a valid thing <laughs> to be upset yeah. about yeah. that not going well. Yeah. And it's valid for Macduff to be upset that his entire family is dead. Like, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, this idea that men are not allowed to feel out those things that are mm-hmm. obviously distressing... Mm-hmm. Um, I think is the problem and yeah. like is something that needs to be worked through. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to start this podcast yeah. to kind of like open that box and allow, uh, show men that they're allowed to have feelings and yeah. that they're allowed to not be the stereotypes and that masculinity is not just being strong or being mm-hmm. angry or being cold or being mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. or anything, but mm-hmm. being a man <laughs> I should be say being a man is not being the stereotypical masculine, but rather is a combination of all of these things that we have stereotyped as a society um, along the spectrum of masculine to feminine because like it's it's a spectrum. It's not um, mm-hmm. like polarized. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're not just a man yeah. or just masculine or just feminine. Yeah. It's there are 
levels along yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that this, uh, this idea of masculinity as something that's polar opposite of femininity yeah. um, needs to be broken down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So it's not about feeling things like a man. It's just feeling things like a human being. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not polarized anymore. Just let you... Just let yourself feel things like a human being. Mm-hmm. It, I'm saying this to myself yeah. just as much as I'm saying it to anyone else. Let yourself feel things like a human being. Let yourself experience things like a human being. If that looks like uh, punching a wall until it breaks th- until it breaks all the way through, then let that happen. If that means um, d- if that means shutting yourself in a room and crying to yourself for a few hours, let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those are the two extremes, but. Yeah. Just let yourself feel things like a human being. It's all a spec. It's it's a spectrum. Um, there's not really a hard divine like we've let ourselves believe. Um, to be fully integrated, we got to realize that we all have masculine aspects and feminine aspects of ourselves. Um, so allow yourself to be a whole human being and allow all those parts to. Be be expressed in healthy ways, and healthy ways are not are not suppressing and negating them. They're allowing them to breathe, mm-hmm. allowing the hidden parts of yourself to breathe. God created us as uh, to be fully integrated human beings, and God intends for us to. Li- God would intend for us to li- live out that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, I feel like that's a a good place to end it. So thank you, Andy, for coming and talking to me and helping me uh, kind of start this uh, thing about white fragility and white masculinity and kind of beginning to kind of open that box um, that can feel like an infection uh, and letting it breathe because that's what you're supposed to do with wounds. You're supposed to let them breathe or else they can't heal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So thank you for doing that and uh yeah so next i think the next episode is going to be on uh masculinity and homophobia so stay tuned and hopefully we can learn more together about this infection of not allowing ourselves to feel the whole human experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah that's it bye